You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome to this week's podcast. I am so excited about introducing you to what has become such a good friend. But before I jump into that and introducing you to this week's guest, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in every single week to this podcast. And I want to remind all of you, there is over 80 some podcasts on the platform. So if you missed a show, I want you to go back and make sure that you check it out, man, because we have a ton of guests and different guests on the show, just like this week, all the way from Florida. He's in, he lives in West Palm beach, but now he is actually in Pennsylvania with his mother. His name is Jeff Neal and Jeff wrote this book called what a long strange it's been. It's based on a life of an educator, the joys, the struggles, and the heartbreak of navigating years as a dedicated educator. And and I just, Jeff, you there? I, I'm here, Johnny D. Dude, I, I just, I thank you so much for taking time to to come on the show today and, and talk a little bit about your book. But before we get into the book, man, I, I, I want to learn a little bit about you. And I want the listeners to learn about you and where you came from, who you are. And I'm, I'm just going to start this whole thing. We're going to be all over the place, I'm sure. Uh, but I want to get things kicked off by asking you, what was your upbringing like? Where were you brought up? Okay. Um, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and, uh, most of my years were outside of Pittsburgh in the early seventies. My family moved, uh, from Hampton, which is even closer to closer to Pittsburgh, but it's a little, uh, steel town called Butler, but I was sort of out in the country, the country of Butler, Pennsylvania, huh? Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's in Western, Western PA. Well, I got to ask you, I mean, you spent over 35 years as an educator. Um, what were you like as a child? Oh, um, well, most of my teachers, especially in elementary school, would have thought uh, I would never become an educator. I, I got in uh, quite a bit of uh, hot water, as they say, when I was a young kid. Uh, you know, Johnny, preachers, kids and principals kids have a tendency to be uh, hellions and get in trouble a little bit. And uh, I was a principal's son and uh, we've talked about this. I was blessed with this ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactive disorder. And uh, it was hard for me to sit still. So the second grade through fifth grade, I was a student of my dad's as he was a principal. So I sort of thought I had to act up, but Plus, I couldn't help myself because I couldn't sit still. <laughs> so, um, so I got in a lot of trouble growing up. And uh, early on, I wasn't the the greatest student, but um, uh, you know, playing basketball a little bit, I had to keep my grades up and stay out of trouble a little bit. So, so Dad uh, was a principal. What did Mom do? She was also an educator. She, uh, I don't even know if they have this so much anymore. We took it out of the middle school I worked in. She was a home economics teacher. Oh yeah, home ec teacher. Yeah, yeah, and they were uh, they were both born in 1928, you know. And uh, Dad grew up on a dairy farm in uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania, where Jimmy Stewart, the old iconic actor, was from. Yeah, yeah. And um, he he was the first one to go to college. He went to the Korean War. He you know was a sergeant over there, and and when he came back, he went to college on a GI Bill. That's where he met my mom at uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and uh, it took him a while to have me. I you know maybe God was deciding whether we should bring this guy into the world or not. But uh, <laughs> it, it was nine nine years. Uh, so mom was actually thirty four when I was born in in nineteen sixty two, and that was pretty old. 
for back then. Everybody usually had a kid right out of high school. And uh, so my parents were older. So they're, you know, a little old fashioned, had those old fashioned values. And, you know, being that I was uh, ADHD, they, they didn't know what, what that was back then. I like to joke around all the time, Jeff. I go, show me a guy that doesn't have, you know, ADHD. Take us, take take us to any like uh, toy store, you know, farm equipment, uh, you know, a a, a new car lot. I mean, show me one guy that doesn't have that, and I'll show you a liar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all have it. I think we all have it to a certain degree. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. So I I have to ask you this, man. Was your dad strict with you? Oh yeah, yeah. He was at old school. you know, I had certain chores I had to do if I was going to go play basketball or, you know, in fact, I was like, uh, that Tom Sawyer character, uh, I'd try to get all my friends to come over and help me get stuff done so I could go play with them. I had to, you know, <laughs> bribe them a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll treat you at the Dairy Queen if you help me rake these leaves. And, you know, yeah, he was tough and, and, you know, and it I always knew he cared about me, but he was, uh, you know, that generation, um, they showed their, their affection by putting the window down, letting the smoke out in the car. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you know Jeff, um, you just brought something up that I have to share with you. And and the same thing as my dad, my dad was, I mean, it was yes, sir. No, thank you. Yes. You know, any, yes, please. I mean, the manners were, he was, he was a tough guy, uh, never laid a hand on me, but he was, um, he raised me the right way. One day I, I asked my dad, my dad throughout my whole life always said, I love you, kid. I love you. And uh, later on in life, you know, he would call me every single day, just like he would my mom. You know, it was important to him. I became a, a motivational speaker. And one day my dad came over and we were having a, a Budweiser. And um, I just looked at my dad and I said, like, Dad, I know you love me. But I have to ask you, are you proud of me. And now you, Jeff, you'd have to picture my dad, big gray beard, tough looking, Harley Davidson type got looking guy. Right, and right. I've only seen my dad at this point in my life cry one time. And that was at his mother's funeral, my grandmother's funeral. And uh, my dad started crying and he says, Johnny, he's like, I am so proud of you. So proud of you, but I don't know how to communicate with you. He goes, you're doing things that I never would have ever even dreamed about doing. And you just go out there and you do it. He goes, I don't know how to communicate with you. And when you said that, you know, that generation's just different. That doesn't mean that they don't love you because they're not talking to you, but sometimes they don't know how to talk to you. And it was important for me to, to just ask him. But I'll tell you what, ever since that day, he had, he's passed on now, but he always, always not only called to tell me he loved me, but he also called to tell me he was proud of me. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it was just one cool. of those things. So, uh, uh um, just kind of neat. Uh, are we kind of, have the same type of, uh, you know, fathers. My dad was skilled tradesman for Ford motor company. I, Jeff, you know, let me ask you this then. What did your father think of you choosing education for your major in college? Well, that's kind of a interesting tale too, because I didn't know <laughs> what I wanted to do. I had, you know, I, I was going to a community college and getting my associate degree in liberal arts. And I, I had no idea, you know, what I wanted to major in, you know, people were trying to tell me to go into sales and I didn't know if I was going to, you know, what could I, I, I don't have any expertise. I was really, so I really liked this philosophy class in college and I came home one day and I said, Dad, I think I know what I want to major in. And he goes, what? And I said, philosophy. And he says, well, that's great. Why don't you can get a white robe and get up in a tree and people will come to talk to you and you can tell them what life's about and they'll pay you. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, yeah, maybe you have a point. So shortly thereafter, you know, because I, I was playing basketball, I said, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe I'd like to coach. But I, it wasn't something like, you know, when I was getting in trouble growing up and just trying to keep my grades up, um, wasn't something like, oh, I'm going to be in front of a classroom someday. It just was the way that life unfolded for me. So so was he happy when, when you started college and you were actually taking classes? I mean, did, did he finally well, say, holy Toledo, he, the guy's really doing it. My son's really going to be an educator. 
he was concerned because I was choosing, uh, you know, back, back in the eighties, when I was coming out of college, there weren't in Western Pennsylvania, anyway, there weren't a lot of teaching opportunities. You know, once somebody got in those jobs, they died there. And uh, that was how I ended up. One of the reasons I ended up in Florida, because there was job opportunities. Well, that brings but, me uh, to my next question. And, and what happened in upstate New York to make you want to go to the tropics of Florida? Yeah, you, you've been doing your homework. Um, <laughs> one, one morning, it, it was a record-breaking cold day with a wind chill. It was negative 67. This was outside of Buffalo, and the wind's coming out of Lake Erie, out of Canada. And I, my roommate was like, we don't have to go to class. They're, they're having class, but it's optional. And I, I was like, you know what? Wouldn't it be something to say we walked in negative 67? So we put on everything they told you. You know, I even put like toilet paper around my face and goggles and hat and gloves and down jacket. And I thought it's not that far. It's just a half mile. And halfway there, the the wind was in my bones. And I, I literally like yelled. And I couldn't, when I got, finally got into the room, I couldn't open my hands. They were frozen shut. I had to put them on a heater. And I looked at my roommate and I said, I'm moving somewhere where it's warm and there's a beach. And a couple weeks later, I went to a teacher recruitment day in, in Palm Beach County, uh, had some recruiters there. So, so at this point you were a senior then and in, in college when yes. this happened? Yeah. So t- tell me about that, about you going to this recruitment. I mean, was that your plan to, to go to Florida or did that ha- happen accidentally as well? No, it was, no, Florida wasn't, you know, the, the, the whole nation was there, Hawaii, California. And I was thinking, okay, we're somewhere warm. And I said, okay, Florida. And, uh, but back then they they were really needing math and science and i my worst subject in growing up was math i was horrible in math i always excelled in history and english but math and science i struggled but that's what they needed for teachers back then so the guy told me sorry we need math and science but you know this is where i believe god comes into working sometimes we happen to be in a restroom at the same time wait i'm sorry yeah. i thought you said the restroom uh, I did. Uh, you, not a restaurant. No, the restroom. <laughs> the restroom. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we we were, uh, you know, things happen. You, you know, have to uh, take care of business. And we were washing our hands together. And I said to him, would you happen to know, would you have any opportunities for coaching? And he looked at me and, you know, he's drying off his hands. He said, what would you coach? I said, well, played a little basketball in high school and college. And he goes, I used to coach basketball. Let me see if we got something for you. So he took me back and there was one English, which was what my major ended up being in one English position at a junior high. And that's how I got the interview there. No kidding. So just, so just real quick. So you, so you get the interview, uh, you obviously graduate, you go home and what do you do? Load up your car, and and you drive all the way to Florida, or did you fly? I mean, just no, t- tell I, us real quick I, about that story. Yeah, no, I I uh, uh, my I, I didn't have a car even in college. I you know I was always getting a ride with somebody. So my first car was a, a green 1977 Mercury Monarch, and packed that in a U-Haul and drove to Lake Worth Beach. It was Lake Worth at the time. It just became Lake Worth Beach because it was the only city on the coast that didn't have beach after it and uh so now we're lake work beach but that's that's where i moved in 85 in, in my green monarch <laughs> so hey listen uh in this episode i want people to get to know you um but before we get into you know the book and stuff like that i i just have to ask how many years were you a teacher were you an educator because you're retired now correct Correct. Yeah. Um, I did 12 years in the classroom, 10 teaching English and um, two doing something called dropout prevention. And then I did um, 12 years as a guidance counselor. And then after that, I I moved into administration um, or as an assistant principal. So I did like 10 years. That it was all in all, it was 34 years. And I, and I stayed at the, the same school the whole time. 
34 years, same school. Jeff, first of all, just let me say, I mean, you are such a cool guy, but I just want to thank you. Thank you for for being a teacher, for, for taking that chance, uh, because I don't believe that teachers get enough um, respect. And um, personally, I just want to say thank you, man. Um, thank you for doing what you did for so long. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. L- let me ask you this, Jeff, just be- before we get into the book, what advice could you give somebody listening right now that um, that may want to go into teaching? Well, uh, you know, it, it's a tough road, and, and especially right now, there's so much going on with the pandemic. But um, what what was really cool about it was, in, and, you know, you and I talked about our, our belief in God and stuff. And, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody does. They can serve God every day. But you have a chance when you walk into a classroom or you're just on the school campus with kids um, to change a kid's life. You know, I, I, you know, one of the things in the book I got into, I had an elementary principal that was the principal after my dad. And, you know, he offered, he was bribing me with the milkshake to, to behave. And I started behaving a little bit. It was one, you know, he kind of changed a path I was on and, and you have that opportunity. So that's one thing. Um, and, you know, everybody says, uh, well, you, you guys don't make any money. And then you're arguably one of the lowest paid college graduates. Uh, social workers might be uh, a little bit below educators. But I always said, OK, I get some time off. Uh, you know, maybe I can travel somewhere in the summer. You know, usually I had to work doing something. But um, as long as you realize you're not going to be... Um, and a Fortune 500 magazine, and and you, you you know you can pay your bills, and maybe you only have steak once a week instead of three times a week. You know you sort of, <laughs> you sort of have to know that going in. But um, it you know if you can say like okay, I'm not going to be wealthy, but you know at the end of it, you you can maybe say hey, you know how how many kids? You know I run into a kid at the supermarket that's 47 now. I was like 22 when I was teaching him and. Do you remember when, you know, and they remember something that happened in 85 and, you know, you realize it's kind of a sobering thought that you can affect kids' lives. So if somebody wants to teach, um, you know, have a sense of humor, especially if you're in middle school <laughs> and, um, you know, you just, in, you know, if you care about helping kids and, and another thing you, you can help your teachers because, you know, it's like you're in the trenches together, you know, one day you'd be like, oh, my God, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to get another job. Oh, my God, you're so good at it. Why would you stop doing it? Yeah, I know, I know. But, geez, I'm so fr-. You know, so we counsel each other. You know, sometimes that would happen at a happy hour, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But, okay. I, I, but I have to ask, Jeff, you know, why did you write a book? Was it always a goal of yours since you were a young kid to write a book? Or is this something no, that basically not- happened accidentally? Well, one one of the people who was a mentor, when, when I was a young man, he was probably, when I say young, I was probably first, second year teaching. And he was a Vietnam veteran, airborne ranger. But, but he sort of took me under his wing. And he's like, you know, you're always observing and interviewing people. You should write a book. You ever think about that? And I, no, not really. But that kind of planted a seed way back when. So I always had that in my mind, but no, I didn't have a burning desire to be Ernest Hemingway or, <laughs> you know, I, it wasn't like, um, the, the pandemic sort of, uh, encouraged me to write. So, so writing this book, did you journal your whole life and, and you just like went back and, and you start reading your journal or was it something you just start remembering things and you start writing them down? Like what was the process like for you? Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I literally retired when the when we got quarantined. And Perfect timing. Plan, yes, yeah, and uh, in a lot of ways. But you know, my plan was to. My mom's ninety four, and she's out playing bridge right now. God bless her. <laughs> and I, my my, you know, idea was to spend some time with her and maybe travel a little bit. 
And um, I did get to Italy and I was over there when the pandemic broke out. You know, yours truly goes to Italy and goes to the place where it started. (laughs) And, um, you know, and, you know, and I didn't want to come up to see my mom and everybody was going to work and everything was shut down. So, you know, Tom Long, the fellow that mentioned writing a book, I said, I'm going to write a book. And then I had a friend that, you know, Mark Montleone, he sent me a post when he heard I was writing a book and it was something from Ernest Hemingway said advice to novice writers, write about what you know about. Yep. And what did I know? I knew like we're at middle school for 34 years. So and answering your question, no, I didn't journal at all, but I could remember, okay, that was 1985 when I started. Okay. Let's go back to the old Lake Worth junior high. And so I would write, you know, my chapters, in the book are, are kind of small, and that's what a lot of people like about it, like three or four. It, it's like little short stories the whole way through. And as I remembered, you know, the, the teaching, the coaching, counseling, administration, you know, different things that happened in, over the career. And um, that, that was how I, I came up with it. It took me about a year to write, the, to get it done, and then another year to get it, you know, polished up for, for publication. And for everybody listening right now, um, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, um, the book is very intimidating because it's uh, over 400 pages. Uh, When I got the book in the mail, I was like, oh, man, I've never read a book this big in my life. But because of the way you wrote the book, Jeff, where every three or four pages, there's a new chapter, there's a new story, you can literally jump around this whole book and get something out of it every single day. There's a life lesson every single day. And um, the book, you cannot put the book down. Literally, um, when I have time to read, I literally will spend 30, 40, 45 minutes, an hour reading this, I can't put it down. And when I have to put it down because I'm busy doing something else, I'm so upset. Um, but the book is amazing, Jeff. I, I, and I, and I mean that, um, another question I have for you though, is, um, the title, what a long strange it's been. And that's the name of the book. And I, I, I gotta know the story. I mean, please tell us it's such a different title. And it doesn't make any sense. It almost looks like, why would I pick up that book? The guy can't even put a title together. But um, <laughs> that that was um, a gift that was given to me by this kid. And uh, he, I had him in my dropout prevention years. And uh, he, um, you know, one of the things with educators, you have to create a relationship with, with a kid. And to do that, you have to, you know, reach him. You know, he was... He was like a throwback. He should have been born in the late 60s. He wore a tie-dye shirt. He wore bell bottoms. He had long hair. He he was one of the few white kids in my school. And he also, you know, like that generation, he was, uh, you know, smoking marijuana and doing other things. And um, the counselor was confronting him, and I was. And and this kid had, you know, I I don't want to spoil that part of the, the story, but at the end of the year, because we talked about music, he made me a sign in, in Woodshop with a Grateful Dead. And one of their songs is is uh, called Trucking, and the line is, what a long, strange trip it's been. And I don't know if he took too many trips or whatever, but when he wrote <laughs> on the back, he just put, what a long, strange it's been. And I was looking for a title, and I happened to come upon that, that piece of the wood, uh, and I said, that's a title. What a long, strange it's been. And yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people like, what kind of title is that? But yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's how the title came about. So I, I just want to make sure that I'm clear. So how many years from the time that this young man made this for you as a gift to when you wrote the book and you still had that piece of wood? Yeah. Um, God, God. He was probably there in, in 97, 98. And, uh, so 20 so years had gone 20, by longer than that. Uh, because you know, 2020 was when the pandemic started, right? Yep. So if he was, yeah, 20 over 20 years. Yeah. yeah. This is just kind of a cool story. So this young man does something that he probably went out of his way to do something different because you meant something to him. What did it mean for you 
all of these years of being an educator to have kids come back to you and say, hey, Mr. Neal, thanks, man. Hey, Mr. Neal, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, that, that's the, the, the part that's really, uh, you know, like I said, the sobering thought when you think like, yeah, you, you know, you touch some lives, you maybe help some kids out. Um, it, it, it's, it's one of the, the, uh, you know, that's your bonus when some adult comes up to you and says, I really appreciate when you, and, uh, and it happens to most teachers, you know, that uh, teachers, that's a conversation teachers have. Oh man, I ran into one of my old students. I couldn't believe he remembered, you know, and, uh, yeah, it is. And it, and it, and it's cool though, right? When the students come back to, to let you know part of their success was because of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, one of my elementary teachers lives close by. I was going to play golf the other day and seen him in, Oh, I, I ran into like 10 years ago, but I knew right where he lived and his wife told me he had cancer he was sleeping. So I put uh, his name was Mr. Bono. So I wrote on the inside of the book cover. I wrote to Mr. Bono. I always think about, you and I look at a cumulonimbus cloud because that's what he these are cumulus clouds <laughs> and you know and, and so you know and it's true every time I looked up in the sky and I yeah, that's a cumulus cloud up there Mr. Bono thank you so you know ho- hopefully he was well enough that he can read the book and but you know there's me going back to a teacher you know yeah yeah how cool is that have you ever like throughout your your teaching um 34 years did you ever have a teacher come to you and say jeff neal i would have never expected to see you as a as a school teacher yeah no, especially with how much trouble you got into when you were a kid yeah you know a couple of them said yeah education's really going down if you're certified to teach (laughs) you know and uh yeah, because literally, I mean, I just, you know, I can't tell you how many times I got swats from a board uh, back when we had corporal punishment. You know, right, I was, yeah. I was always, you know, almost instinctively was removing my wallet and, you know, take everything out of your back pockets, you know, and then, then you have to get your, uh, your, your punishment. Jeff, you kind of brought this up earlier and you talked about, um, you know, you have an ADHD uh, you also talked a little bit about the chapter called The Power of a Milkshake. And yeah. um, I, I want you to just, if you could, just dive a little bit deeper into that chapter for us. Um, because I thought that it was so, so awesome that a milkshake turned your attitude around. Yeah, really, the the... So tell the us board, the story. Uh, the, the board uh, that th- wasn't working with me. I just would get the cracks and go back to misbehaving. So, so when you uh, say the board, you mean the SWATs? The paddle, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, what happened is Mr. Malloy, he was a principal, and, you know, teachers were saying this is what he did this time. And um, I, I, if anybody does buy the book, I won't say what I did. But it, it was my opus in bad behavior. I, you know did two things, which I was very proud of, you know, one of flooding the bathroom and, um, <laughs> wait, wait, what you, you flooded the bathroom and, yeah, that, and, and know, that's one of the reasons why you got in trouble. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Was, I mean, it, I created a tsunami that day in the hallway. <laughs> no, and, were you um, in middle school then? No, no, I was in fifth grade. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Special little fifth grader. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I and there was a little sixth grade graduation going on, and I cut the power off on that, and you know had them in the dark and chaos and screaming, and and then I went back to class. So, Mr. Malloy, I was I was ready to get my swats, and he says, "Listen, I know this was you. I know you did it, even though I have no proof. I know it was you." And he goes, uh, "I want you to try to be good for two weeks, and I'll take you up to the Dairy Queen." get your chocolate milkshake, whatever you want. And uh, I was like, will you take me out of Mrs. Biker's class? And he, he says, yes, I will. So then I had to contain myself for two weeks, but I sort of really started to get my act together from the, that's why the chapter is called the power of milkshake. 
So basically, he bribed you. So yes, he did. It's a it's a life lesson that if you can't teach him something, you can't make him do something. Just bribe the kid. Y- yes, <laughs> you're like yes, yes. yes. No, no, so, and, hey, no, hey, and listen, listen you'll, you'll see, you'll see, like you know, especially because there was no corporal punishment. I, I had to, you know, tell kids that the sheriffs were coming with the lie detector test, which wasn't legal, but they didn't know that. And you mean you when know, you, when you were teaching? Well, when I was doing discipline, you yeah. know, there was all, you know, it was all kinds of stuff and it was bribing and, and fraud, you know, there was no sheriffs coming, but they didn't know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I, I have to, I have to ask, man, was it a vanilla milkshake or chocolate? I went with chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, listen, you, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, um, students and, and what they meant, um, in one of the chapters you, uh, and you were a young teacher, then you got ill and you were actually in the hospital and uh, students came to see you. Even one young boy rode his bike 10 miles to come visit you to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. When- um, I had appendicitis and I guess, cause I was out the, you know, one of the uh, assistant principals at Co- coach Owen was his name, Dino and that they were deans back then. He told him I was in the hospital and uh, this little guy rode his bike uh, and he was, you know, from a real tough family, a little blonde haired kid with a raspy voice. And, you know, he's like, I hope you come back to school. And I remember, you know, I was a first year teacher and and uh, that meant a lot, you know, finding out he rode his bike and hit his bike in the in the bushes. And Hey, uh, what was your first year like? What was it tough? Oh yeah. I mean, back then there was no classroom size. You know, I could have 42 kids in a class. Were you intimidated? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't show it. I, you know, I couldn't let them see that I was scared and didn't know, you know, how to control a classroom and, um, a lot of, you know, tough lessons and, you know, I don't want to tell all this stuff, but I mean, you know, threw an eraser at a kid's head. I thought that was a good idea and got in trouble for <laughs> Wait that. A second. Your first year of teaching, you threw an eraser at a child. I did. Back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Did it hit him? You know, that, it, yeah, right. Perfect <laughs> hit right on the side of the head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, again, anybody that is listening to this right now, this book is filled with these kind of stories. And literally, they take you on – an emotional roller coaster ride every single chapter. And speaking of an emotional roller coaster ride, there are times in life where we have to go and and let loose a little bit and and get out with our friends. Uh, something that you guys did was called uh, Happy Hour, and it was a great way for you teachers to get out and one communicate with one another, maybe help each other out. Um, how important was that for you to go to other teachers, blow off steam and maybe even find a mentor or two? Yeah. Well, the gentleman that I mentioned to you that was the airborne ranger, we, we met and became friends at a happy hour. And what it did was because it, and like any profession, nobody really understands what you do unless you're doing it. So you have that bond with people and teachers, you know, uh, we, we would call it like, it wasn't just a happy hour. It was like, we were professionally debriefing each other. Like, Oh my God, this happened today. And, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this kid. What are you doing with him? I mean, he won't do anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and especially when you're young, I, I tried to just keep my mouth closed and listen to the older teachers cause they, they've been doing it for years. And, you know, it really takes you like three years before you can manage a classroom. You can't just walk in and and have discipline and teach the subject. And, um, you know, that's the fellow that wrote the introduction in my book. He's a friend of mine. He he just retired. He did 50 years in a middle school teaching English. And he put in the introduction that two out of every three teachers leaves in the first uh, three years. And it's true. You know, I, I remember trying to tell these young kids out of college, like, there's no way I'm going to do this. I go, it'll get better. Just hang in there. Did you ever feel but, like you wanted to quit? No, I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I really enjoyed 
you know, everybody says, well, how could you stay in the same school for 34 years? Didn't you want to change? But because I was a teacher and then I was a counselor and then I was an administrator, I sort of did have a change, you know? And so that helped me. Um, but no, I never was at the point where I'm not going to do this Be because you know what? I mean, I'm not skilled. I need help, you know, putting in a light bulb <laughs> and, um, you know, what, what, uh, you know, I wasn't going to go off and start a, a construction company or something, you know, and I was like, okay, this is what is my lot in life. I'm going to work with these kids. So, and, and I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't one of the people that, uh, oh, I hate this. I'm just going to collect my paycheck and retire. I, I was, I really enjoyed, you know, the, the time over there. Jeff, what do you want people to get out of your book? When you sit back and think about what you created, what do you want the listeners that are listening now that are going to buy the book, the people that have already bought the book, the people that are reading your book right now, what what do you want them to get out of it? Well, and you know, and uh, I don't want to do the spoiler in it, but you know, there, there was something we'll probably get into later on if we ever have another discussion. But um, just to, to see what, you know, I think I gave, uh, I mentioned a fellow that did my uh, my introduction. He, he goes, when I said, what'd you think of it? He goes, you wrote a starkly realistic book about education. That's what we deal with. And so, you know, give just people, I, I think I'll give you a bird's eye view of what it's like to be a teacher. And, you know, and and I wasn't a master teacher. I was effective. I, I was, my my gift was relating to the kids and creating relationships. I was probably a better counselor than I was a teacher. And I, I was a pretty good basketball coach. Um, but the, the true teachers, the, what they do every day, it, it's, it's amazing. And uh, they're artists. And, and I think I can give you, um, you know, a view of, of what it's like to be an educator. And, and there's, and there's some funny stories. I mean, my God, when you're at a middle school, anything can happen as kids are capable of anything. Well, like in the beginning of the opener, you know, I said, it's, it's all about the joys, the struggles and the heartbreak of, right, right. of, of being an educator. I, you know, the book's been out a little while now. Have you had anybody call you, write you, text you, email you, maybe a testimonial that let you know that this book has affected their life? Yeah. If, um, let me see here. I got my computer. You give me just, Oh, you have, you have something that, yeah, that, that you can read us. Yeah. I just, I just got, uh, an email. Oh, dude, that's and awesome. This, Thanks. This, this girl was a uh, teacher and she had left and moved to New Hampshire, but somehow she got my book and, and she just sent this, uh, dear Jeff, I just finished reading the E edition of your book. What a long strange it's been. Your book is powerful and a must read for educators and staff and people across our country. While reading your book, I laughed loudly. I felt anger and frustration and cried. You do have a talent for descriptive storytelling. I was able to visualize your experiences in the classroom and the basketball court, visiting families, your caring relationships with students and staff, and your roles as a counselor and administrator. Needless to say, I liked your style of writing. Um, and then your study with the best practices and recovery from a school shooting and the themes that came out, um, um, uh, you know, she, yeah, she, pretty cool. she wrote a, she wrote a, you know, um, but it was kind of stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's, and, uh, does another one come to, to, you know, come to mind? Yeah. If, um, and you don't have to read what, the whole thing. Just give us a couple lines. Yeah. If you want. No, this, this guy, uh, he was, a. PE teacher, athletic director, and we went through the, the traumatic experience in our school. And uh, he says, hi, Jeff. Hope all is well with you in retirement. My girls, that's his two daughters, just bought me your book the other day, and, and I just finished it. What a whirlwind of emotions. I laughed. I cried. I felt proud to have worked with you and our warrior family. We were the Lake Worth Middle Warriors, so we, we called ourselves the Warrior Family. And realized how special that place was to me. Thank you for sharing your amazing words of wisdom. Let's get together when I get back to South Florida. And then he put Go Gators because, you know, these Florida people, they, 
you're either a Seminole or a Gator fan down there. That's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing the uh, couple testimonials. Talk a little bit about the front cover. I mean, because who, who's the guy on the cover? That that's me. That's um, you. So we get to see the backside of you. You're you're yes. carrying a pair of boots, and you have a a soda in your hand, and you have the number thirty three on. Talk a little bit about this cover. Where was it taken? Who took it? And um, why are we seeing the backside of you? Yeah, um, a, a friend of mine took the picture, and I didn't even know that it was being taken. Um, it's at Lake Worth Beach, and. Um, I was uh, just walking. Now the interesting thing is that jersey was the act was an actual jersey from our school, but um, the basketball team got new jerseys. I had already been out of coaching for quite a while, but um, the athletic director gave me a um, a, uh, a jersey, sort of like a retirement present. But um, and at that time, I was thinking about retiring. At 33 years, I did one more, so I did 34. But I thought that would be once that picture was taken. It's a nice little shot. That's Lake Worth Beach, and then off in the distance, there's a pier. It's Lake Worth Pier, and anybody's ever down there, that it, it's a nice, nice part of the the coast of Florida down there. That is pretty and cool. I, and I sort of thought it was just kind of I was walking away from my career, so I thought it was a good picture for the cover. Let me ask you this: How can make you know? How can people buy the book, man? Where can they go? Um, they're Dorrance, uh, it's D O R A N C E. That's the publisher. You can get it through their library, uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes and or yeah, Barnes and Noble. And they can just look up the title. Yeah. What a long strange it's been. And, um, and you know, Jeffrey W. Neal and, um, they, that, they can order a book and I have a, uh, you know, part of what I sell is going to go to a scholarship fund that's set up in a, in a teacher. I don't, I don't want to give the book away, you know, what, what they all have. Maybe we'll get into that at another time. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, so just go online, look up, you know, uh, what a long strange it's been. Yes. What a Long Strange It's Been by Dr. Jeffrey W. Neal. And Jeff, before I let you go, we literally have a couple minutes. I want you to, and this has nothing to do with the book, nothing to do with this podcast, except for a great story that somebody wrote in and they told me to ask you. It says here, ask them about the hot air balloon ride home. What? Yeah. The, well, Jeff, I, what the heck? I mean, first of all, I want to know how old were you? I mean, what the heck went on with you hitchhiking on the way home and you come home in a hot air balloon? I, I can't even imagine what the story is going to be like. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I got, I got dropped off somewhere and, um, I got a miscommunication with my ride. So I had like a 14 mile walk through the country going home. And, uh, I saw these guys firing up a hot air balloon. <laughs> and so I walked over and, uh, they, they, you know, were talking to me and, you know, they were, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody, they laid the balloon down flat and yeah. fire, you know? And so they're filling up the balloon. And I said like, God, I'd love to go up in one of those. And how old were you? Well, I like 16. Okay. And he says, uh, well, we're supposed to have one more guy. If he doesn't show up, you're welcome to get in with us. Where do you live? And I said, well, when I told him where I lived, and I said, well, we're going to be letting down in a field near there. So I was like, well, that would be cool. And, uh, you know, what was hilarious was my mom and my sister, cause I'm sure you talked to my sister about this one, but my mom and my sister are out in the yard and here comes Jeff in a balloon <laughs> And, you know, I yelled down like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and my mom's like, oh, my God, what? how did he get up in this balloon? <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. my God, that is awesome. Listen, man, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on the show. And I want to make sure that, again, folks, uh, those of you that are listening, please go check out this book. I'm telling you, once you start reading it, you are not going to be able to put this book down. It's called What a Long Strange It's Been. It's by Dr. Jeffrey W. Neal. And Jeff, before I let you go, uh, do you have anything um, that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know what? And I'm, I'm glad you said that because, um, you know, I'm a believer and uh, I have a couple things I read every day, a little devotional stuff. And I was kind of saying a prayer like, hey, let, let's, 
Johnny and I have a good talk today. And the little thing I read, it's, it was, I think it was an Indian. His name was white Eagle. He was a Christian guy. And I just like to read his little things because they're real short. And I was thinking about you when I read this. So I want, this is for you. This isn't about me or the book. Okay. Thanks. Men look to you. Do not be beguiled by the attractions of materialism, materialism, or by the sorrows and anxieties which your karma brings. Have courage, for so many depend on you, your thoughts, your attitude. Men are looking to you and unconsciously recognize in you a light. They know that you have something which is helpful and good. Keep the light shining in your heart and mind and remember the great privilege which has been given to you to help lead man onward and upward to the glorious morning star. That's awesome. And that's it, buddy. That's, that's it, your, man. That's hey, your thought for today. I love it. I love it. Hey, everybody. Um, and, and Jeff, if you don't mind, maybe in a couple of weeks, man, would you like to come back on the show and maybe we'll dig deeper into your book and, and you know, we can talk about some other chapters and stuff like that and kind of take people on, you know, the big, the book is big enough, man. We could do this for a couple of months. Yeah. You know what, John, it, it would be an honor because every time I talk to you, I always uh, hang up the phone feeling good. So if you, uh, if, if you're struggling that much to get an interesting guest, I guess I'll, I'll try to fill in. <laughs> I love it. Well, Hey, Mr. Jeff Neal, thank you so much for coming on the outstanding life podcast. I'm Johnny D the motivational cowboy telling all of you be safe, have fun and have yourself an outstanding day. We'll see you next time right here. Have you ever been to California? Picture this, six lanes of traffic on both sides and completely packed. It's ridiculous, crowded all the time. One day in particular, there was a man on his way home from work in an old beat up pickup truck. While driving, he saw this huge white limousine with a flat tire parked on the side of the road. He started making his way over to the shoulder of the highway once he was there, the guy got out of his truck and walked up and knocked on the window. The driver said, can I help you? The guy responded, yeah, I see that you have a flat tire. Can I help you out? Surprised, the driver replied, wait a second, you're gonna help me out and change the flat tire with me. I just called roadside assistance and they said it was gonna be two hours. Yeah, if you're gonna help me, let's do it. Together, the two men went to the back of the limo, began removing the flat tire, and quickly got the job done. Once they were finished, the driver said, hey man, thanks. I wish there was something nice I could do for you. The guy responded, hey, just have a great day, sir. He started walking back to his pickup truck, and as he passed the limo's rear window, it began to roll down. The businessman inside said, hey, Thanks for helping my driver change the flat tire. It looks like we're gonna make it to the meeting. Is there something nice I can do for you? The guy answered, just have a great day. The businessman again tried. No, really, I wanna do something nice for you. The guy goes, just have a great day. The businessman began to yell, sir, I wanna do something nice for you. So before returning to his pickup, the guy finally said, hey, you want to do something nice for me? Send my wife some flowers. He wrote down his address for the businessman. Weeks went by and he forgot all about the flat tire, the driver, and the businessman. One evening after work, he pulled up in his driveway and his wife came running out and jumped on top of him. Confused, he said, get off me, get off me. Okay, okay, she said. But as she gave her husband some space, she thanked him again and again. He said, for what? What did I do for all this? She said, well, for the flowers. The guy admits, I didn't send you any flowers. They're probably for the newlyweds down the street. They're just delivered to the wrong house, honey. Did you open the card? She goes, well, no, I assume they're from you, honey. So they opened the card, and this is what the card read. 
thank you so much for helping my driver fix the flat tire. We made it to the meeting. I got the deal. Your friend, the businessman. P.S. Your mortgage is now paid off. This is Johnny D. telling you a simple act of kindness goes a long way. It's a pleasure to introduce the motivational cowboy, Johnny D. Repeat after me, say, I feel good. No, 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 this time say it with enthusiasm and conviction, say, I feel good. This is what it means to me. Let me spell it out for you. O. Out of every situation, the outcome can be positive or negative. U. You have the power within yourself to decide what that outcome will be. T. Two negatives make a positive, so why not go straight for the plus? S. Sharing of yourself does not mean taking away, but adding to the whole. T. Thank you for taking the time to ask. A. A dream is reality in the making. And never look at past choices as mistakes, only experiences to learn and grow from. D, dare to live beyond the limitations others have set for you. I, I can make a difference, even if it is only one person at a time. And now is the time to stand out, to rise above the rest. And G, go straight for the top and don't settle for middle. This is John Demetrician telling you that you can live the outstanding life. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.